Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chabacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chabacasino.com welcome to the family vgw group no purchase necessary void where prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus the tolkien road episode 118 the lord of the rings the Siege of Gondor. Hey there, fellow travelers. Welcome to the Tolkien Road, a long walk through Middle-earth. On this episode, we resume our journey through The Lord of the Rings with Book 5, Chapter 4, The Siege of Gondor. Before we get started, please head on over to iTunes and leave The Tolkien Road a rating and feedback. It's a great way to show your support for the show and takes less than a minute. You can also stop by TolkienRoad.com, learn about previous episodes, and say hey. Follow us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash and on Twitter via at Tolkien Road. Thanks for listening, and enjoy. Hello everyone, welcome to the Tolkien Road. This is John, Greta, how are you? Hey, hey, I'm good, how are you? Doing well. Awesome. Uh, episode number 118, Lord of the Rings, Book 5, Chapter 4, The Siege of Gondor. This episode, our executive producers, Dr. William Hutton and Justine Lloyd. Yay! The two... Uh, wonderful executive producers of our show. Super Special awesome. thanks to them. If you would like to know more about becoming uh, possibly another executive producer or uh, a patron, head on over to patreon.com slash Road and learn more. Yeah. That's how you do it. It's as easy as that. It's as easy as ABC123. One, two, three. One, two, three. I was just going to mm-hmm. say, I was going to say 123 ABC, but... Do re mi. Yeah, that mm-hmm. too. Um, so, yeah, this is a... This is a, a mammoth of a chapter. Mm-hmm. You know? It's super long. It is. Yeah. And a lot happens in it. I was going to say, yes, a lot does happen. And I was kind of, when I saw how long the chapter was, I was like, oh my gosh, this is going to take me forever to read. I did think but about... But didn't. I did think, well, there's, it's action-packed. Right. And, it, went, it moved quickly. Um, it's not like, you know, the Council of Elrond where it's a lot of sitting around and talking. Right. I mean, there's a fair amount of talking, but there's a lot of... Action. You know? Yep. Action... Explosions, heads falling from the sky. You oh know. yeah, that was gross. Um, yeah, stuff like that. So, we I thought about splitting this one into two episodes because it was so long. But mm-hmm. uh, basically, what we're gonna do is we're just gonna do this whole chapter in one episode because the next chapter is really short. Okay. And I figure we'll do this chapter, then 
if we got any like correspondence that per- that pertains to this chapter, then we'll do it mm-hmm. this week. Mm-hmm. But if it's if it's not if it doesn't specifically pertain to this chapter, then we'll just hold off on it all till next week. Okay. So if you don't if you send us a note and you don't hear it, uh, fear not. Well, I, I think listener. I think everybody will hear their notes because everybody's wrote in multiple haiku about this chapter. About this chapter? Yeah. Oh wow. It seemed to be a favorite of. Uh, Many of our listeners. Wow, awesome. I mean, we're talking like three, some four haiku. Oh, man. With like accompanying notes and thoughts and Dang. good stuff. Okay, well. So we need to talk fast if we want to keep this under two hours. All right, Micro Machine Man, here we go. Here we go. Let's do it. Um, So do we want to say anything about secret words? Oh, yeah, I dropped the ball. So, um. Well, kind of. Well, kind of. Kind of, sort of. Kind of, sort of. I think... So, I think Greg guessed it. Okay. But he didn't come right out and say... This is my this guess. This is my guess. And I don't think he's the one that chose it. Maybe I should have double-checked that. But he just wrote a note and said, Wow, <laughs> that last episode was full of chivalry. Wait, did he guess it? Did he choose? Is that the word he chose? That's what I'm checking right now. I don't think he's the one that chose it. But you know what? It probably wouldn't hurt to uh, to check and yeah. just be sure. Um, where is my secret word list? Oh, here it is. Um, no, Matt chose it. Okay. Matt and Greg, they're two different people, well, yes? Well, so I'm assuming yes. that... We'll, we'll just assume that Greg chose the secret word. Yeah, so I... Even I, though he didn't specifically say it. Right. So um, he may hear this episode before he gets my email. Where I asked him if that was his secret word guess. So yeah, if that's the case, we're gonna give the prize to Greg. Um, I feel a little bad though because Mary Grace guessed it as well, and she's always she's been like this close the last several times. Yeah. So um, Greg, we'll uh, give it to you, and then Mary Grace, see if you can't guess Greg's secret word next time. There you go. Yeah, that works. But I didn't get to Greg in time for this episode. Okay. Well, so, so send us your secret word. We won't do a secret word all right, this so week no because we didn't word. talk about it beforehand anyway, so you're going to have to look. Well, I could type it on my phone, or you could type one on your phone. Let's just hold off. Me. Okay. Yeah, so we'll, we'll, do, we'll pick up the secret word next time. All right, so Greg, email us your secret word choice. That's right. Yeah. And if, and if you know what, if, if you weren't guessing, if that really wasn't your secret word guess, and you want to give it to Mary Grace, let me know that too. Yeah. Right on. Okay. All right, let's do this. Let's do this. So let's knock it out. The Siege of Gondor. So we left off with the last chapter with Mary uh, riding along with the Rohirrim, mm-hmm. uh, along with Durnhelm, this mysterious rider who uh, picked him up and decided to carry him uh, on the horse with him to Wait, Gondor. Or Mary. 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 I thought. Pip- I think you said Pippin. No, I said Mary. Okay. Well, I was gonna say uh, Pippin's in Gondor, so I'm confused. Um. Right. Yes, that. Mary is riding along with Rohirrim. Yes. Merrily riding Pippin along. Pippin is hanging out in Gondor with all the with all the naysayers yes. and gloomy people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the chapter opens and things are looking pretty gloomy in Gondor. Things are looking pretty very gloomy. Cloudy, cloudy with a chance of rainy heads. Yeah. Too bad it's not meatballs. Yeah. Those are tastier. Yeah, definitely. Definitely, Definitely tastier Unless than human you're a heads. cannibal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Don't go there. That won't. I'm done. All right. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> um, yes. 
So moving on. Pippin, Denethor is all like, "Hey, Pippin, come over here. I want you to sing me some songs." Right. And Pippin's like, "I don't know any songs that are worthy of this place. All the songs I know are about beer and mm-hmm. hot baths." Right. And food. And food. Yep. And so I don't really feel like my songs are dignified enough for this place. Right. And they're not gloomy enough for your really dark kingdom. That's right. Uh, He says, We seldom sing of anything more terrible than wind or or rain, and most of my songs are about things that make us laugh, or about food and drink, of course. And Denethor says, And why should such songs be unfit for my halls, or for such hours as these? We who have lived under the shadow may surely listen to echoes from a land untroubled by it. Then we may feel that our vigil was not fruitless, though it may have been thankless. Mm Mm-hmm. So... Denethor's like, hey, go ahead and hit me with your best shot. But Pippin is still just not really... Not feeling it. Feeling it. And so Can't Denethor him. sends him off to the armories of the Citadel to uh, to get dressed up for battle. Right. And by the time he's done, uh, it says he Pippin looked now, had he known it, verily, Ernil y Ferianath, the prince of the halflings that Fulk had called him. But he felt uncomfortable, and the gloom began to weigh on his spirits. So, it's interesting that this gloom that comes from Mordor is, like, this very oppressive mm-hmm. thing. It's not just the weather. It's, like, you know, it's a spiritual kind of gloom, right. apparently. Right. Yeah, we've talked about this before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I, am I not allowed to talk about it again? No, it's okay. I'm just saying that. But it's a common theme throughout. No, it is. Both, and I, you know. I wasn't, like, trying to give you a hard time. I was just saying, yeah, we talked about it. Why don't you lead the discussion, Greta? No, thanks. You can just do the podcast all by yourself. You want to? No. I didn't think so. Because I don't want to do any of the work that you have to do. Yeah. I just like showing up and talking. Um, I will accept your apology when you're ready to give it. <laughs> There's nothing to apologize for. It's fine. I was merely commenting that we've discussed this already. And you're right, it is a theme. It's a okay. theme. Spiritual Good. oppression and darkness. I was right. You were wrong. There we go. <laughs> Good. Right, fine. I'll give you that one, Carswell. All right, so Pippin, Prince of the Halflings, um, he goes to, he, you know, so he's he's wandering about now in his armor, right. and uh, he comes to the play. He comes to find Baragond, his old pal Baragond, who he's become friends with. Hey, okay, I was trying to remember: is Baragond the dad or the boy? The dad. The dad. Okay. Yeah. I couldn't remember. Uh, Baragond, and so they strike up a conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says, They have come. Take courage and look. There are fell things below. Reluctantly, Pippin climbed onto the seat and looked out over the wall. The Pelinor lay dim beneath him, fading away to the scarce guest line of the great river. But now, wheeling swiftly across it like shadows of untimely night, he saw in the middle, airs below him, five bird-like forms, horrible as carrion fowl, yet greater than eagles, cruel as death. Now they swooped near, venturing almost within bowshot of the walls. Now they circled away. Black riders, muttered Pippin. Black riders of the air. But see, Baragond, he cried. They are looking for something, surely. See how they wheel and whoop, always down to, the po- to that point over there? And, and, and can you see something moving on the grounds? Dark little things, yes, men on horses. Four or five. Oh, I cannot stand it. Gandalf, Gandalf, save us! Another long screech rose and fell, and he threw himself back again from the wall, panting like a hunted animal. Faint and seemingly remote, through that shuddering cry, he heard winding up from below the sound of a trumpet ending on a long, high note. Faramir, the Lord Faramir, it is his call. Braveheart, 
But how can he win the gate if these foul hellhawks have other weapons than fear? But look, they hold on. They will make the gate. No, the horses are running mad. Look, the men are thrown. They are running on foot. No, one is still up, but he rides back to the others. That will be the captain. He can master both beasts and men. Ah, there one of the foul things is stooping on him. Help! Help! Will no one go out to him? Faramir! Um, and with that, Baragon sprang away and ran off into the gloom. Ashamed of his terror, while Baragon of the guard thought first of the captain whom he loved, Pippin got up and peered out. At that moment, he caught a flash of white and silver coming from the north, like a small star down on the dusky fields. It moved with the speed of an arrow and grew as it came, converging swiftly with the flight of the four men towards the gate. It seemed to Pippin that a pale light was spread about it, and the heavy shadows gave way before it. And then, as it drew near, he thought that he heard, like an echo in the walls, a great voice calling. "'Gandalf!' he cried. "'Gandalf! He always turns up when things are darkest. Go on! Go on, White Rider!' "'Gandalf! Gandalf!' he shouted wildly, like an onlooker at a great race, urging on a runner who is far beyond encouragement. So, right as... Uh, so there's people... So Faramir and a small band of men are coming back to Minas Tirith from Osgiliath mm-hmm. across the Pelennor, and they're being attacked by the Black Riders from right. there. Right. And it's Gandalf who rides out to protect them. And he kind of casts this light over them that protects them from the Black Riders. Yeah. So whatever disease the Black Riders are carrying, Gandalf apparently has the cure. So. Man, that Gandalf. Yeah. I want him on my side. Did you want to pick up your phone that you dropped yeah. in the middle of me reading? Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I'll go, go ahead give you time to do that. Um, thanks. Now that was... I, I hadn't remembered that Gandalf had left. Uh-huh. But he had. Yes. Okay. Was that the end of the last chapter that he left? Um... Well, yeah, yeah, he's because he's like out and about, right? He's I couldn't remember. He's off you. doing he's off doing things because he's not exactly super welcome by Denethor, you know. Right, that's true. Yeah, they didn't really get along very well. And, and remember, Gandalf. Gandalf's job is not to sit in a tower somewhere and command things. Right. Gandalf is like the ultimate. Gosh, what's the right term for him? He's like. He's not some general who commands people. Right. He's like the. He's in charge of like bringing everybody together and of like coordinating all of the effort, coordinating everything. So in a way, he's like. It's like an MC. Well, he's like the ultimate. Um, you know, he he's you know you kind of think of like generals a lot of times as being, like, a lot of times they they're almost like too old to go out and fight themselves, so they just mm-hmm. end up having to tell other men what to do. Yeah. And Gandalf does that, but he's also he's also out on the front lines himself, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Um, like co- coordinating everything, and he's right. he's riding between different parties to try and, you know, make sure things go smoothly. So he's like the ultimate, and and it's almost like you know that's what Saruman was supposed to be doing, but Saruman learned that he liked just sitting in the tower and having the good mm-hmm. life, you know, mm-hmm. and telling and building armies and telling people what to do. Right. Whereas Gan- but really the wizards were forbidden from doing those sorts of things like building up their great armies and commanding right them, yeah you know yeah, I remember that. they yeah. had to use they were supposed to be more of like persuasive use use their persuasion yeah and um and that sort of thing so gandalf is out doing what he's supposed to be doing yeah you know um so he manages to save faramir yeah and um so that's that's all well and good. Faramir makes it back to the city and goes to meet with Denethor, and he sees Pippin, and 
he's what's his reaction to seeing Pippin? Do you remember Far Faramir? Just generally speaking, what's his reaction to seeing Pippin? Oh, he's confused. Yeah. And surprised. Yeah. Because he's um, it's the second Hobbit or third Hobbit he's seen. Right. And he's like, whoa, it was weird seeing two before and now a third. Like yeah. it was like. He's like. Mind blown. Whoa. Yeah. Another Hobbit. Right. What? <laughs> Yeah, I wonder if he was like, "Wait, are you the one that I already saw, and you like time traveled?" Yeah, because they well, probably all look the same to him, right? And, and, and this, his willingness to admit this right in front of Denethor ends up getting him in trouble because Denethor realizes, oh, that he has found that you the had one a chance. The ring. You had a chance yes. to get the ring. Yes, and you didn't. Right. Yes, that's right. So it says. Um, Faramir, as his story was unfolded of his meeting with Frodo and his servant, and of the events... Why don't you read this? Do you, do you see where I am as his story was unfolded? As his story was unfolded. Hmm. Yes, I see it. All right, why don't you read that paragraph? All right. As his story was unfolded of his meeting with Frodo and his servant, and of the events of Heneth Anun, Pippin became aware that Gandalf's hands were trembling as they clutched the carven wood. White they seemed now, and very old, and as he looked at them, suddenly with the thrill of fear, Pippin knew that Gandalf, Gandalf himself, was troubled, even afraid. The air of the room was close and still. At last, when Faramir spoke of his parting with the travelers and of their resolve to go to Kirathungal, his voice fell, and he shook his head and sighed. Then Gandalf sprang up. Kirathungal! Morgul Vale! he said. The time, Faramir, the time! When did you part with them? When would they reach when would they reach that accursed valley? I parted with them in the morning, two days ago, said Faramir. It is fifteen leagues thence to the Vale of Morwaldun, and if if they went straight south, and then they would be still five leagues westward of the accursed tower. At swiftest they could not come there before today, and maybe they have not come there yet. Indeed, I see what you fear, but the darkness is not due to their venture. It began yester-eve, and all Ithilien was under shadow last night. It is clear to me that the enemy has long planned an assault on us, and its hour had already been determined before ever the travelers left my keeping. Gand I'm sorry, go ahead. So, anyway, um, Gandalf panics initially, thinking mm -hmm. that, oh my gosh, maybe this is all because the ring has fallen into the hands of Sauron. Right, maybe right, maybe Frodo yeah. has failed in his right, mission. Right. And uh, but Faramir is quick to reassure him that he doesn't think that's the case. Mm-hmm. Um, and but Denethor has some very harsh words for Faramir. Yes. Denethor is not kind towards Faramir. No. Um. So let's see. He asks his father. He talks to his father about um, strengthening the fords at his Gilead. And he says, I hope that I have not done ill. Ill, cried Denethor, and his eyes flashed suddenly. Why do you ask? The men were under your command. Or do you ask for my judgment on all your deeds? Your bearing is lowly in my presence. Yet it is long now since you turned from your own way my counsel. See, you have spoken skillfully as ever. But I, have I not seen your eye fixed on Mithrandir, seeking whether you said well or too much? He has long had your heart in his keeping. My son, your father is old, but not yet daughtered. I can see and hear, as was my wont, and little of what you have half said or left unsaid is now hidden from me. I know the answer to many riddles. Alas, alas for Boromir! 
If what I have done displeases you, my father, said Faramir quietly, I wish I had known your counsel before the burden of so weighty a judgment was thrust on me. Would that have availed to change your judgment, said Denethor? You would still have done just so, I deem. I know you well. Ever your desire is to appear lordly and generous. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChampaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. As a king of old, gracious, gentle, that may well befit one of high race if he sits in power and peace. But in desperate hours, gentleness may, may be repaid with death. So be it, said Faramir. So be it, cried Denethor. But not with your death only, Lord Faramir, with the death also of your father and of all your people, whom it is your part to protect now that Boromir is gone. Do you wish then, said Faramir, that our places had been exchanged? Yes, I wish that indeed, said Denethor, for if Boromir was loyal to me and no wizard's pupil, he would have remembered his father's need and would not have squandered what fortune gave. He would have brought me a mighty gift. For a moment, Faramir's restraint gave way. I would ask you, my father, to remember why it was that I, not he, was in Ithilien. On one occasion, at least, your counsel had, has prevailed, not long ago. It was the lord of the city that gave the errand to him. Stir not the bitterness in the cup that I fixed for myself, said Denethor. Have I not tasted it now many nights upon my tongue, foreboding that worse yet lay in the dregs? As now indeed I find... Would it were not so, would that this thing had come to me. Comfort yourself, said Gandalf, in no case would Boromir have brought it to you. He is dead and died well. May he sleep in peace. Yet you deceive yourself. He would have stretched out his hand to the thing, and taking it, he would have fallen. He would have kept it for his own, and when he returned, you would not have, re- have known your son. The face of Denethor is set hard and cold. You found Boromir less apt to your hand, did you not? he said softly. But I, who was his father, say that he would have brought it to me. You are wise, maybe, Mithrandir, yet with all your subtleties you you have not all wisdom. Counsels may be found that are neither the webs of wizards nor the haste of fools. I have in this matter more lore and wisdom than you deem. So Denethor basically says to Faramir, I wish that you were dead and Boromir was here. Yeah, it's pretty harsh. Very harsh. Yeah. 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 And, but I think Faramir honestly handles it all pretty well. You know? Yeah, yeah. No, he does. You're right. You're absolutely right. Except he does storm off eventually. Well, yeah, but, you know, um, I mean, all things he considered, he being told by your father school. that, you you know, I wish I wish you were dead compared to your son. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. if, if all you do is storm off, that's pretty, <laughs> yeah. you know, that's handling it well, I think. No, I think you're right. I think you're right. And, you know, this, I think this was... Like, I feel like I didn't really like Denethor to start with. Right. But then this happens, and 
I'm like, okay, there's no way I can ever like you ever again. Right. Like, what a horrible father. Yeah. Horrible. And he's so full of himself. I think that's what really... Like, he thinks he knows better than Gandalf. Mm-hmm. Like, he, he's like, oh, yeah, I know no one else has been able to master the ring, but I could. Right. And I'm like, who do you think you are? <laughs> yeah, well, he's, he's you know, um, he, I guess he's, I don't know if you would call it delusional in that way, but, like, he really thinks that he'd have the strength not, the strength not to use it. He basically says, if I had it, we'd just put it away. Mm-hmm. We'd bury it. We'd bury it. We'd put it yeah. in safekeeping. Yeah. And Gandalf's just like, uh, you should have been there for our conversation at the Council of Elrond when we talked about that possibility, and guess what? All of us folks didn't think that was possible. Right. Right. You know? And that Sorry, mountain- maybe you could have come. Right. Right? And set us straight. Right. And he says that he has more lore and wisdom than you need. And I'm yeah. like, really? Like, so, Elrond plus Gandalf plus, you know, Galadriel, like... Really? You know better than all of them? Now, to be fair, to be fair to Denethor, okay? Mm -hmm. Denethor has been basically carrying the defense of all the free lands of Mm Middle-earth on his shoulders for his entire life. He's been been the steward. Yeah. He's been the steward for a long time. I didn't look up, in fact, how long he's been the steward, but he's been the steward for some time, and maybe let's look that up. But, you know, just think about that. Like, think about the toll that would take on somebody. And, you know, you know, he's like, oh, yeah, sure. I'm sure Elrond, you know, thought it was fine sitting up there at his little, you know, forest retreat, you know, yeah. having it pretty. He, you know, I'm sure he thought it was okay to just send the ring on into Mordor to try to destroy it. You know, I'm the one who's sitting here losing people every day. Right. Seeing, you know, the enemy knocking at my gates. Right. Yeah. And, you know, so, you know, you gotta, you don't want to write... that's true. That's a good point. I'm not not saying that Denethor is a likable character, but you don't want to write him off too quickly in the, you know, in the, in the whole story about him, right? Like... Yeah, that's true. He was, let's see, so it says he was born in 30 age, 29, 30. Uh, Let's see, he became the 25th steward of Gondor in 2953 at the age of 2023. Let's see... He succeeded his father as Denethor II in 2984. So what's... Wait, so... Oh, I'm sorry. Ecthelion became the 25th ruling steward. So Denethor was 54 when he became the steward. And then... Let's see. He... When is it that this battle takes place? It's taking place in... Shut up. So this is taking place in 3019. So he's been steward for basically 35 years. It's a long time. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. it's a long and time to have that weight on your shoulders. Definitely. And he's, you know, all things considered, he's fairly old. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So you got to have some sympathy True. for him. True. He's feeling a lot. He's carrying a lot of weight on his shoulders. Yeah, and he is, yeah. You know, he does not have the council, the long council of the elves. As much as he might be learned in, in lore, mm-hmm. you know, he does not have the long council of the elves, the benefit of that. Right. And as a man, he's much more com- he's much more conscious of his mortality and the mortality of 
Absolutely. Yes. So, no, that's true. That is true. You you make very good points. So you got you got to you got to give Denethor some credit a here. Little, yeah. Even though he's a total jerk to his son. Um, yeah. You can understand why he thinks there's a there would have been a wiser way to proceed. Yes. No, you're right. You're right. But I still don't like him. Well, I didn't say you had to. Okay. But all right. So uh, eventually, Gandalf and Pippin depart from the company of Denethor. They take leave of the lord of the city. And do you want to read this little passage here? All now took leave of the lord of the city. Yes. But I have to turn my page first. Very well. All right. All now took leave of the lord of the city and went to rest while they still could. Outside there was a starless blackness as Gandalf, with Pippin beside him bearing a small torch, made his way to their lodging. They did not speak until they were behind closed doors. Then at last Pippin took Gandalf's hand. Tell me, he said, is there any hope? For Frodo, I mean, or at least mostly for Frodo. Gandalf put his hand on Pippin's head. There never, there never was much hope, he answered, just a fool's hope, as I have been told. And when I heard of Kirith Ungle, he broke off and strode to the window as if his eyes could pierce the night in the east. Kirith Ungle, he muttered. Why that way, I wonder? He turned. Just now, Pippin, my heart almost failed me, hearing that name. And yet, in truth, I believe that the news that Faramir brings has some hope in it. For it seems clear that our enemy has opened his war at last and made the first move, while Frodo was still free. So now, for many days, he will have his eye turned this way and that away from his own land. And yet, Pippin, I feel from afar, I feel from afar his haste and fear. He has begun sooner than he would. Something has happened to stir him. Gandalf stood for a moment and thought, Maybe, he muttered, maybe even your foolishness helped, my lad. Let me see. Some five days ago now, he would discover that we had thrown down Saruman and had taken the stone. Still, what of that? We could not use it to much purpose or without his knowing. Ah, I wonder. Aragorn. His time draws near, and he is strong and stern underneath Pippin. Bold, determined, able to take his own counsel and dare great risks at need. That may be it. He may have used the stone and shown himself to the enemy, challenging him for this very purpose. I wonder. Well, we shall not know the answer till the riders of Rohan come, if they do not come too late. There are evil days ahead. To sleep while we may. Yeah, so... Well, I think Gandalf's right, isn't he? Well, why do you say you think he's right? Because didn't Aragorn look in the Palantir? Right. Or he showed himself, right, mm-hmm. to uh, to the Dark Lord. Right. Yeah. So, the, yeah, so, Gandalf is sitting here thinking, okay, you know, initially they're talking like there really, there really is not much hope. Right. But maybe something has gone right here to, you know, that we weren't expecting, that we really didn't plan. Right. Right. That's right. drawn him out, and that's drawn his attention away from his own land, Sauron's attention away from his own land. Right. So there may be something providential in all of this. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. However, right on the heels of of this happening, we find out that Asgiliath has been overrun. So Asgiliath is, uh, is overrun, and that means that the enemy is going to be able to cross over the Anduin, the Anduin right. River. Right. And... Uh, and so the people are the people are fleeing. The people from Osgiliath are fleeing back to trying to get back to Minas Tirith. Uh, Faramir had gone back to Osgiliath to try to 
uh, to try to shore things up because Denethor was like, I'm not losing. Right. I'm not losing Asgiliath. And and Faramir was just tired of fighting him at that point. You know? Right. Right, yeah, Faramir didn't want to go, right? He didn't see any point to it, and neither did Gandalf. Yeah. But he, uh, he basically was tired of fighting with his dad about mm-hmm. it. Is that right? Right, he basically just says... Uh, I do not oppose your will, sire. Since you are robbed of Boromir, I will go and do what I can in his stead if you command it. I do so, said Senator. Then farewell. But if I should return, think better of me. That mm-hmm. depends on the on the manner of your return. Yeah, Denethor is just a grouch. He is. He's, like, He's just nasty. Yeah. Um, Props to Far- Farmir for just not, like, hauling off and well, punching you in the face. And, and Gandalf, God bless him, he, just, he says, Do not throw away your life uh, rashly mm-hmm. or bitterly. You will be needed here for other mm-hmm. things than war. Your father loves you, Faramir, and will remember it ere the end. Mm-hmm. So at least Gandalf tries to yeah, yeah. give him an inspiring, kind of encouraging a word. In here. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, Osgiliath is... The, the word comes pretty quickly that Osgiliath is overrun. Despite Faramir's, Faramir's, Faramir's efforts. efforts. There yeah. was, I mean, there wasn't a lot of hope that they would be able to stop right, it anyway, right, right. given the forces that are coming. Right. And... Uh, and then they start to worry that Faramir, uh, about where Faramir is. Bar- Baragond is back in the picture now, speaking with Pippin. And, uh, and so Gandalf, who's come back from Asgiliath, uh, he says, uh, Faramir was still standing when I left, right? So mm-hmm. he still lived when I left, left him, yet he is resolved to stay with the rear guard, lest the retreat over the Pelennor become a rout. He may perhaps hold his men together long enough, but I doubt it. He is pitted against a foe too great. For one has come that I feared. Um, and so Denethor is sitting in the in the high tower, in the white tower now with Pippin at his side. And they're just kind of staring out over and they can see like the whole vista of the of the Pelennor as right. the forces of Sauron are starting to starting to make their way forward. Yeah. So um so uh Pippin's concerned that Sauron is coming marching with this army, but Denethor assures him, like, no, he's not coming. He won't come until the city is taken and he right. can walk in unopposed. He sends all of his minions ahead right. of him and that's pave not, the way. That's not Sauron's way right. to lead the lead the charge. Right. So, um, so finally they get, uh, finally the, uh, the forces of, that are left in Osgiliath come fleeing back. And it's nearly become a rout at this point because the Black Riders are back mm-hmm. and um, the other forces of Sauron are giving chase. But it's the old, um, the Prince of Dol Amroth, who, remember, this was the, the Gondorians that came from the south. Right, 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 yeah. And they're coming, they actually ride out to assist in the retreat. It says, The retreat became a rout. Already men were breaking away, flying wild and witless here and there, flinging away their weapons, crying out in fear, falling to the ground. And then a trumpet rang from the citadel, and Denethor at last released the sortie. Drawn up within the gate, within the shadow of the gate, and under the looming wall outside, they had waited for his signal. All the mounted men that were left in the city. Now they sprang forward, formed, quickened to a gallop, and charged with a great shout. And from the walls, an answering shout went up. For foremost on the field rode the swan knights of Dol Amroth with their prince and his blue banner at their head. Amroth for Gondor, they cried. Amroth to Faramir. Like thunder they broke upon the enemy on either flank of the retreat. But one rider outran them all, swift as the wind in the grass. Shadowfax bore him, shining, unveiled once more. 
a light starting from his upraised hand. The Nazgul screeched and swept away, for their captain was not yet come to challenge the white fire of his foe. The hosts of Morgul, intent on their prey, taken at unawares in wild career, broke, scattering like sparks in a gale. The outcompanies with a great cheer turned and smote their pursuers. Hunters became the hunted. The retreat became an onslaught. The field was strewn with stricken orcs and men, and a reek arose of torches cast away, sputtering out in swirling smoke. The cavalry rode, rode on. But Denethor did not permit them to go far, far. Though the enemy was checked and for the moment driven back, great forces were flowing in from the east. Again the trumpet rang, sounding the retreat. The cavalry of Gondor halted. Behind their screen the outcompanies reformed. Now steadily they came marching back. They reached the gate of the city and entered, stepping proudly. And proudly the people of the city looked on them and cried their praise, in that they were troubled in heart, for the companies were grievously reduced. Faramir had lost a third of his men. And where was he? Last of all he came, his men passed in. The mountain knights returned, and at the rear the banner of Dol Amroth and the prince. And in his arms before him on his horse he bore the body of his kinsman, Faramir, son of Denethor, found upon the stricken field. So things are not looking good for Faramir. He was, mm-hmm. uh, he was uh, grievously injured. With a poison arrow. Yeah, in yeah. the field of battle, on the retreat. Mm-hmm. And he's not dead. But he's, he's in pretty bad sick. shape. Yeah. Very bad shape. Yeah. So, uh, you know, noble a little a little bit of a, um, a, you know, a small victory in the midst of this wave of the forces of Mordor coming upon them. You know, as the as the forces of Dol Amroth go riding out. Right. You know, to to help the retreat, and so they actually succeed in pushing back, and actually doing some damage to the advancing right. forces. Right. Uh, but all it does is hold them off for a little while. Right. right? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. You know, it's not enough yeah. to it's not enough to really stem the tide. Just basically delaying the inevitable. Yeah. It's part of the long defeat. Exactly. Yeah. Long defeat. Long defeat. Good term. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of Tolkien's favorite. Indeed. So. So yeah, so Faramir is not in good shape. Um, Denethor sees this, and and it says at the end of this little section that. The face of the Lord was grave, more death-like than his son's. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Denethor, I think, maybe this is where he remembers his love for his son. Yeah, he And he realizes, like, I did, yeah. I did this because I'm a total jerk. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's my fault. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. And um, so Denethor is, we're going to find out, is pretty, you know, is, is just pretty upset by all this. Yeah. So this this really brings, you know, starts to bring the second day to an end. Uh, the forces, they can tell the forces of Mordor are starting to stack up outside right. of the walls of Minas right. Tirith. So basically... So they've shut the gate, yeah. right? And all, everybody is inside right. and has not fallen. The Pelennor fields are, are are quickly kind of filling up, though, with the forces of Mordor, we find so they're out. they're basically just in, like, survival mode at this point, right? I mean, they're not going out and trying to fight any longer. They're right. Just, they're holed up, right? Praying that yeah. help will come. Exactly. Yeah. Um, the Nazgul came again, and as their dark lord now grew and put forth his strength, so their voices, which uttered only his will and his malice, were filled with evil and horror. Even they circled, ever they circled above the city, like vultures that expect their fill of doomed men's flesh. Out of sight and shot they flew, and yet were ever present, and their deadly voices rent the air. More unbearable they became, not less, at each new cry. At length, even the stout-hearted would fling themselves to the ground as the hidden menace passed over them. Or they would stand, letting their weapons fall from nerveless hands, while into their minds a blackness came. And they thought no more of war, but only of hiding and of crawling, and of death. 
Um, so it's Gandalf who starts to take command of the last defense of the city of Gondor. So this is officially when Gondor is, you know, when, when Gondor is under siege, right? So to be under siege means that you're... I was just going to ask you what that means. Well, I'm going to tell you. Awesome. To be under siege means that you're, you're within a fortress of some sort, and there's forces surrounding you, right? Okay. So there's no way out, but it's really not easy for them to get in either. Okay. So a siege state is like, it was really a very ancient mode of warfare okay. for a long time where you would basically have, you know, when they had, when they would build like large fort, like cities with large walls around mm-hmm. them to protect them. Mm-hmm. And you basically bring all your forces back in. Right. And you. Lucky Land Casino asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is where projects come to life. Our showrooms are designed to inspire with the latest products from top brands, curated in an inviting, hands-on environment, and a team of industry experts to support your project. We'll be there to make sure everything goes as planned, from product selection to delivery coordination. At Ferguson Bath, Kitchen, and Lighting Gallery, your project is our priority. See the latest designs from your favorite brands, including Thermador, at your local Ferguson showroom. Hope that using all the ramparts and everything that you have upon, you know, the walls of your city that you can, you know, have people with arrows and that kind of thing. Right. That you can resist, that you can just hold out against those forces long enough. Right? Now... The problem is, of course, food, right? Supplies. <laughs> Supplies. Uh, they, have, they have some stores. They have some stores, but how long will they last? That's right. the whole question. Right, right. Um, yeah, that makes sense. That's really the, the, off, when the offensive. So the defensive are the ones that are inside the city. The offensive people are the ones outside the city trying to get in, trying right. to bust it down. Right. And so the offensive aim in a siege is to basically get the people within the city to a point where they... They can't, they, they can't survive without bringing the battle out, without coming out. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. So, um, so that would be, you know, if that were the case, this chapter might really drag out. But uh, it turns out the forces of Mordor had been planning for such a siege, and we'll find out a little bit more about that uh, towards the end of the chapter. So they have a plan to basically uh, overcome a long siege, to bring the siege to a head. And break Gondor into the city. Does. No, uh, the forces of Mordor do. Oh, right. So we'll find out more about that. But meanwhile, yes. meanwhile we've got, um, meanwhile we've got the uh, situation with Denethor and Faramir. Mm-hmm. And basically, Denethor. This was weird to me. I thought I was misreading it at first, and then I was like, "Oh no, he's actually doing this." Yeah. Yeah. Well, tell tell me more. Like. Oh, yes. Yeah, so he was. He's keeping vigil yeah. right by Farmir's bedside, and um, you know Pippin's there trying to comfort him. But then eventually, um, eventually he basically starts this procession. He tells people like, "Pick up my son, put him on a stretcher," and he starts leading this um, procession to the the tombs. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, they have a special name, right? But it's where all the all the stewards of Gondor have been buried. Right? Right. 
And so he has he leads this procession to the the tombs with Farmir and has him laid out and then he lays down beside him. Right. And I'm like, dude, you're both still alive. What are you doing in the tomb? Well, so let's get inside Denethor's head. I mean, Denethor is basically, what he says is, why? Why do the fools fly? Better to burn sooner than late. For burn we must. Go back to your bonfire. And I, I will go now to my pyre. To my pyre. No tomb for Denethor and Faramir. No tomb. No long, slow sleep of death embalmed. We will burn like heathen kings before ever a ship sailed hither from the west. The west has failed. Go back and burn. The messengers without bow or answer turned and fled. So what does that mean? What does that all mean about uh, like we will burn like heathen kings before ever a ship sailed hither from the west? The west has failed. So heathen is like a term. Um, it's like heathen peoples. This is this is an antiquated term, but basically the heathen are like the nations, the peoples out there who do not who do not have knowledge of this is a term that goes back into like uh you know into like kind of christian civilization right and and it very heavily used in like western civilization this concept Mm -hmm. of the heathen um the heathen are like the un the people who have not heard the gospel yet Right. right right so these are the people that have not you know even been been brought the good news so when he refers to the heathen kings of old he's talking about these men who basically labored and fought with no ultimate real hope right they and yeah. so in this context what does that mean because they're you know this is all pre-christian everything in lord of the rings is pre-christian right uh so what why why is this term even relevant well the light that they did have kind of the religion if you will of this time was the religion of Valinor, right? That there was this blessed realm, right? Right, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. where the these the Valar lived, okay? Where that Gandalf had come from, yes, okay. Yep. That and then the Numenorians had been given um, this land that was halfway between the blessed realm and the rest of Middle Earth, right? Yeah. So when they say when you talk about them coming out of the West, the kings coming out of the West, that's what they're referring to is these people coming out of Numenor. To bring the light of Valinor, right to mm. to the peoples, to the to the men of Middle Earth who were under the shadow of Sauron uh, for all those for all that time, okay. right? Okay. Uh, under this kind of shadow of despair. So, what is despair? We've talked a lot about despair, and despair is really yeah, when you've lost all hope, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And it's not just a like, you know, earlier Gandalf and Pippin talk a lot about hope. Mm-hmm. And about whether there's hope that Frodo will succeed. And Gandalf says there wasn't a lot of hope in the first mm-hmm. place. Not not a realistic hope, but at the same time hope. there is a but but at the same time there's a hope that goes beyond mere like life and death. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Um there's a hope for uh like the kind of the supernatural intervention. Yes. Right? That there's yeah. that there's an ultimate good that will prevail. Right. 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 Even if it might not be in my lifetime, even if I die there's an ultimate good that will prevail. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, there's something that will come to deliver freedom to people once more, and the right. shadow won't always hold, hold sway. Right. And that's the problem with Denethor here, is he gives up. He's given up, He's gi- basically he's given up the faith of Numenor, if you really want to break it down and put it in those terms, right? Interesting. He, he's broken faith with the religion of Numenor. Hmm. Uh, you know, if you go back to reading Akalabaith, right, mm-hmm. we, remember we talked about Akalabaith, and 
you know, how they had kind of a religion when, when it came to the people, like to the Blessed Realm and to the Valar and that kind of thing, right? Yeah. And to the, to the worship of Iluvatar, you know, who's tr- the true god, mm-hmm. right? And eventually that became almost, Sauron corrupted them and it became almost this worship of Morgoth, right? Yeah, yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was kind of the beginning of the downfall of Numenor. Well, but that, that, that is the faith that the peoples of Gondor and of Arnor carried into this new world, right? Gotcha. To deliver the people from the influence of Sauron, which mm-hmm. basically says that your life, men, is, you know, is worthless, right? You live this short, brief life, and it's miserable, and it's all worthless, and there's no hope. There's no ultimate hope for you. The best you can hope to be is a happy slave, right? Yeah. Instead of Instead of truly free. Mm-hmm. And... So Denethor has given up the faith of Numenor, basically, here. He's, he's despairing of any hope. That's what he's talking about when he says the, the West has failed. Okay. Right? I see. The heathen kings of old are those kings that never knew that Numenor, the, the, like the light of Numenor, never mm-hmm. reached. So he's saying right? that he's basically like one of those. Right. It's like things are so dark now, it's like we never had light to start yeah. with. Yeah, and it's interesting. This is a very, you know, we've t- I've talked about this on past episodes, but... This is a very important concept to Tolkien. If you go back and read his essay on Beowulf, he talks a lot about how, you know, Beowulf was this poem. Like, Beowulf is also often misunderstood because it's kind of a, it, it, it reflects this meeting point between, you know, sort of the time when the Northern European peoples were very, were the, kind of these heathen peoples and still had a lot of heathen beliefs. Mm-hmm. But they were slowly becoming accustomed to the christian gospel right and they were they were slowly starting to kind of like come over to those beliefs yeah and so he tolkien loved the people the kind of the heathen peoples of old and especially loved the peoples who fought for a hope that they didn't know anything about Hmm. right who fought he talks about this some in that essay that they even as they labored actually in mythopoeia he refers to this too like there's a they they fought under a shadow not knowing, cert, like, they, they had this sense that there must be kind of some hope beyond the shadow of death mm-hmm. for for happiness in the end, but they had no actual factual knowledge of what that might be. Huh. They just had kind of this spiritual hope within themselves. Okay. Um, so this is a, you know, th- this concept that he brings in, that he introduces here with Denethor despairing is a very important one to Tolkien. Um, but... Nevertheless, Denethor despairs, mm-hmm. and the fruit of that is that he decides that he's going to uh, burn alive, and he's going to go to his funeral pyre, so he's going to be burned alive, and Faramir as well, who he just assumes is going to die anyway. Right. So. Right. Um, yeah, pretty pretty horrible. Pippin's really horrified. Dark. Really dark. Yeah. yeah. I did think it was interesting where he, the, um, you know, when, um. Is it Gandalf, or uh, who says it? Somebody says, um, "Oh, messengers!" Messengers said that men are flying from the walls and leaving them as man. Oops. Sorry. John, knocking over our fan. Unbelievable. But anyway, so the messenger said that men are flying from the walls and leaving them unmanned, and then Denethor says, "Why? Why do the fools fly?" And that was that. I thought it was a cool like that whole fool's flying thing, mm-hmm. right? Fly, you fools. Fly, you fools. Yeah. yeah. So, anyway. Um, that must be another one of Tolkien's favorite alliterations. Fly, you fools. Fly, you fools. Why do fools fly? Yeah. Yes. Anyway. 
But yeah, this is super, super dark. And the whole burning alive thing, like, he's just going to burn with the city, right? Yeah. I mean, he's not... So that's interesting. No, he wants... He, he He's actually... He tells them, like, put... He tells them to set his thing on fire? Yeah, he says, I want you to go and get fast-burning wood and douse it with oil and pre- be prepared to set me on fire when I tell you to. That's right. Yeah. That's right. He I means business. He had done that. So he is essentially committing suicide. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. He's basically saying, I don't, I don't want to be, I don't want my body to be left for Sauron and his forces and his minions. Okay. Right? Okay. Um, I must, I must have straight. misread that because I thought that he was just going to lay there and wait for the city to be taken and that he would just kind of burn with the city. But that's not the case. No. Okay. Um, I was being a little too optimistic, I guess. Yeah, Denethor is uh, completely given over to despair here. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, it. like, going and laying yourself in a tomb is pretty despairing in and of itself. But then to lay in a tomb and tell people to set you on fire, I mean, that takes it to a whole new level. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, at least you're like, well, could you kill me first, maybe? And then... And then take set me, me to the tomb? And then set me on fire? Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. No, because the whole pe- the whole point of being set on fire is that he doesn't want his body to be left there for the orcs and everybody who finds it to desecrate. You know what I'm saying? Ah, uh, he wants it basically, he wants it You know, because then they're going to come along and they're yeah. going to like chop his head, you know, chop the head off and be like, yeah. oh, here's the steward of Gondor and they're going to like wear it themselves uh, and, you know. I see what you're saying. You know, it's be, it becomes like a trophy. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, okay, okay. Gotcha. Um, That's, so th- at this point it's where Pippin kind of freaks out. Yeah. And he goes and tries to find He's trying help. to find Gandalf. Yeah. Um, it says he, he's kind of running through the city trying to find Gandalf, trying to... He tries to convince Baragon to go put a stop to all this, and Baragon's like, I can't leave my post. You know, mm-hmm. I've been given an order from the uh, from the steward, from the lord of the city. Uh, and uh, Pippin basically says, well, you know, your lord is mad. I think you have a madman to deal with, not a lord. I must run. I will return mm-hmm. if I can. Mm-hmm. And as he reaches the city gate, he stops dead. He had found Gandalf, but he shrank back, cowering into a shadow. And it says, Ever since the middle night, the great assault had gone on. The drums rolled. To the north and to the south, company upon company of the enemy pressed to the walls. There came great beasts, like moving houses in the red and fitful light. The Mumakil of the Harad, dragging through the lanes amid the fire, huge towers and engines. Yet their captain cared not greatly what they did or how how many might be slain. Their purpose was only to test the strength of the defense and to gain the men of Gondor busy, keep the men of Gondor busy in many places. It was against the gate that he would throw his heaviest weight, very strong it might be, wrought of steel and iron, and guarded with towers and bastions of indomitable stone. Yet it was the key, the weakest point in all that high and impenetrable wall. And so against this, they bring this hammer of the underworld, Grand. Um, this and is not a living thing. No, 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 but it's just a big... Okay, because the way they talked about it, I thought that it was alive. And I was like, no, I thought it was just like a big, like, log, basically. Yeah, it's it's a hideous head founded of black steel was shaped in the likeness of a ravening wolf. Mm-hmm. And on its spells of ruin lay. So it's basically a huge battering ram. Okay, yeah. Right. Scary looking battering ram. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, so they, you know, so the... The peoples who are on the walls of Minas Tirith are basically trying to do everything they can to set this thing on fire. You know, they're just 
keep it from reaching the walls. It's this big, slow-moving thing. But every time they, you know, they they take out tons of orcs and everything, mm-hmm. and it just keeps coming because mm-hmm. every time they take out some orcs, some other ones pop up to keep carrying it forward. Right, right. And uh, and then finally they reach it and they hurl it forward, and it uh, and a deep boom rumbled through the city like thunder running in the clouds. But the doors of iron and posts of steel withstood the stroke. Um. Uh, and then as suddenly upon the last stroke, after three strikes, the gate of Gondor broke. As if stricken by some blasting spell, it burst asunder. There was a flash of searing lightning, and the doors rumbled in riven fragments to the ground. In rode the lord of the Nazgul. A great black shape against the fires beyond he loomed up, grown to a vast menace of despair. In rode the lord of the Nazgul, under the archway that no enemy ever yet had passed, and all fled before his face, all save one. There, waiting, silent and still, in the space before the gate, sat Gandalf upon Shadowfax. Shadowfax, who alone among the free horses of the earth endured the terror, unmoving, steadfast as a graven image in Rathdenan. "'You cannot enter here,' said Gandalf, and the huge shadow halted. "'Go back to the abyss prepared for you. Go back. Fall into the nothingness that awaits you and your master. Go!' The black rider flung back his hood, and behold, he had a kingly crown, and yet upon no head visible was it set. The red fire shone between it and the mantled shoulders vast and dark. From a mouth unseen there came a deadly laughter. Old fool, he said. Old fool, this is my hour. Do you not know death when you see it? Die now and curse in vain. And with that he lifted high his sword and flames ran down the blade. Gandalf did not move, and in that very moment, away behind in some courtyard of the city, a cock crowed. Shrill and clear he crowed, wrecking nothing of wizardry or war, welcoming only the morning that in the sky far above the shadows of death was coming with the dawn. And as if in answer there came from far away another note, horns, 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 in dark Mindaluan's sides they dimly echoed, great horns of the north wildly blowing, Rohan had come at last. Finally. Took him long enough. Nick of time. Seriously. That was, uh, you know... Not a second too soon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really... So who is this, like, dark king with the... Like, this headless king with the crown? Oh, that's, uh... That's the... That's the Lord of the Nazgul. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Sounds super creepy. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, how does yeah. that crown stay up there if there's no head? I know, right? Must be under some kind of magic spell. Um... So... Yeah, you know, ends on a... Ends a on a real note. cliffhanger. But a hopeful note with... A hopeful note, yeah. Literally a hopeful note. The horn. Yes, the horn. The sound of the horn. Yeah. I think it was neat how the cock crowed, and then... Yeah, and then the Rohan appeared. Yeah, and I liked the description that Tolkien gave of the of the cock crowing, and, like, it's basically, like, it doesn't care about the whole battle going on. It just, it crows because it sees the sun coming up. You know, it has, like, the this animal is not worried about, like, just doesn't care because it doesn't matter to him. All, all, the care, all that the animal cares about is the sun. Right. Right, coming up. Right, yeah. It's just like that uh, natural-born instinct. Yeah, I just think it's an interesting juxtaposition. Not, it, it, and it's not, it? it's not just that it's a natural instinct, it's just that it doesn't, ca- like, it doesn't care about all, the, all these things going on. It's just completely oblivious. Right. It's just living its life. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like like most yeah. animals would yeah. in the face yeah, of this, right? Yeah, that's true. That's true. They're just doing what they know how to do. Exactly. Yeah. But what it does respond to is the sun, right? This uh, which the, is the interesting sunrise. because there is no sun. Well, apparently there is. 
somewhere. Yeah, well, not it comes. Well, yeah, that's what it says. It comes through, right? With with Rohan arriving. Uh, shrill and clear he crowed, wrecking nothing of wizardry or war, welcoming only the morning that in the sky far above the shadows of death was coming with the dawn. It doesn't say anything about a sun. Well, obviously. What? Obviously, there had to be some sunlight, or it wouldn't know. The the cock wouldn't know that there was, that it was morning, right? Okay, fine. Whatever. We don't Maybe. have to get into argument about that. But anyway, I'm just saying, like it's whatever it is, it detects that morning has come, the dawn has come. That some sort of dawn has come. Right. Yeah. Whether that's a figurative dawn or a literal dawn. It it, it is a literal dawn. Because that's, that, that's why the cock is crowing. That's my point. I see. There's nothing figurative about it. The dawn has come. That's what it says. Whether it's full of sunlight or not, the dawn has come and the cock realizes. I'm not enough of a farmer to know, like... Well, surely cocks still crow on cloudy days. I don't know. I'm not a farmer. I feel like they must. Like, I feel like it's more something they feel than what they see. Maybe. I mean, you know, there there is a difference. Even if it's a cloudy day, there's a difference between night and a cloudy day. Right. That's true. That's true. So, yeah. So, I guess that... The cock crowing plus Rohan arriving, those are both hopeful. Well, so it's things. the dawn, and then the actual right. dawn, and then Rohan arrives, and it's a figurative dawn. Gotcha. Right? It's a new day for this battle. Right. That's my whole point. Got it. All right. Clean slate. All right, yes. Okay. Um, right so, yeah. Wow. You know, I mean, that was, that was, and so if we missed something that you are offended that we missed, then, mm-hmm. you know, send us a note, let us know, and we'll come back and retroactively talk about it. Uh, because that was just a lot. There's a lot to cover. And, mm-hmm. you know, we try not to be hasty, but we also realize that we can't take forever and that we can't possibly cover everything in a chapter like that. Right. So our brains just aren't large enough to handle it all. Right. Right. But let us know if we missed something. That's important to you. Well, you know, our um, our listeners wrote in some good notes, so that right. might... Well, let's do this. Yeah. Let's do it indeed. Here we go. I'll go first. Okay. Go for it. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 syllables in haiku. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 8, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 syllables in haiku. Boom. All right. You got a haiku? I do. Good. Do you? Yes. All right. Who's going first? Um, Three paper. Rock, paper, scissors. All right. Here rock. we go. Rock, Rock, paper, scissors, scissors, shoot. shoot. I win. I'm going first. Here's mine. Gloom grows as... Did I say gloom or gloom? Gloom. Okay, good. (laughs) Sorry. All right, here we go. I'll try again. Gloom grows as fires blaze. Despair deepens. All hope seems lost. Will they come? Straightforward to the point. I like you know. it. I like it. Here's mine. Thanks. Air Gondor broken, its steward is. The fallen, risen, rides in hope. That's really good. Thank you. It's really, really good. I like it. Yeah. I like the use of the word air. It's good. Yeah. It's a, it's a good word because it means before, but it's one syllable. Right, so exactly. It's very useful for haiku. <laughs> very useful for haiku. 
Well done. All right, so we have a note from Gregory Simonson, who actually, as fate would have it, just let me know that, indeed, Chivalry was his secret word guest. Oh, so, breaking news. Breaking news. Right here. You heard it live. Right on. The podcast. <laughs> um, email is a most wondrous invention. So, Greg, you get to pick our secret word for the next episode. Yeah. Let us know what it is. Now, if he emails you back with his secret word for the next episode right now, that'll be really creepy, because you haven't asked him via email yet. That would be really creepy, yeah. and this hasn't been posted recorded. yet. Yeah. Well, it's been recorded, but it hasn't been posted, so... Yeah. Anyway. It's going to be like weird time paradox if that happens. That would be really weird. Back to the Future Part yeah. 4. Oh, yikes. Okay. Um, but going back in time to the first email that Greg Gregory sent, he... Um, Here's his, he sent several haiku. Here's his first one. Captain of Gondor, valiant but sent forth unthanked, now burns with fever. Nice. That's really good. Right. He says, um, until this reading, I hadn't caught the observation that the Numenorian blood seems to shine through more in Faramir and Denethor. Hmm. Could Faramir reflect the faithful Numenorians that follow Elendil and Denethor, the beginnings of what started the others down the wrong path? Interesting. Interesting thought. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I I would say the way Faramir carries himself is more of, is more more like Aragorn. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Absolutely. And he says, speaking of Denethor, here is haiku number two. And I'll let you read that one. Steward of Gondor, trusted with guarding the realm, descends to despair. He says, you know, it's becoming really difficult to like old Denethor. If he wasn't charged with maintaining one of the last bastions against Sauron's armies, and if Faramir weren't his son, I might not care tuppence what happens to him. But charitable thoughts, charitable thoughts. (laughs) And anyway, haiku number the next one. So he's got a third. There you go. Wait, what was that word? A tuppence. Yeah. I might not care tuppence. I like that. All right, so here is Greg's third haiku. He says, grand, Sauron's wolf's head head. Grand, hammer of the black land. Grand, burst ope the gates. Grand. That was a pretty grand haiku. That was very grand. Very grand. I feel like it's reminding me of something, but... Good. I like it. I like it a lot. He says, here again, Tolkien adds layers of history and thereby makes an object that's not on screen very long more memorable. That's not on screen. Oh, I see. It's not on screen. It's not on screen very long, but it's very memorable. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And then, here's his fourth. Whoa, man. The last one I know. Greg, I think you set a new record for haiku and for one episode. It's awesome. Lord of the Nazgul, whom man, woman born, can't kill, enters the city. Mm. Nice. Who woman born cannot kill. Awesome. A question occurs to me here. Is there some deeper significance in the fact that the Witch King breaks down the gates and actually steps inside the city before being called out by the Rohirrim. I asked my sister this, and she pointed out how many times Tolkien brings us, the reader, to the edge of defeat before help comes. What say you? So, Hmm. the fact that the Witch King breaks down the gates and actually steps inside the city before being called out by the Rohirrim. So he's the Witch King, as Gandalf has the standoff with at the end, right? Um, Is there some significance to it? You know, I mean, that's... I don't know. I hadn't thought about, like the big picture significance but I think I mean I think it just builds the the dramatic tension of it all yeah you know? absolutely um, yeah that the gate is broken so 
Minas Tirith, the sea, I mean, the siege is essentially broken when that happens, right? Yeah, because, yeah. you know, the, I mean, that, there are mo- there are other walls within the city, to be sure, but... But now they're inside the gate. Now they're actually inside yeah. the gate, so, you know, I think it just, I think, I mean, dramatically, it heightens the tension, right? Right, absolutely. Of the whole, and, and makes the arrival of the Rohirrim feel all the more mm-hmm. timely. You know. Absolutely, yeah. And I liked what his sister said, too, that often Tolkien brings the reader to the edge of defeat before help comes. It's like how, you know, the night is darkest right before the dawn. Right. Right? I mean, that's really kind of where we're at here. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Well, you know, I mean, it's like, um, I, I mean, I really think that's just, I think that's good storytelling, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. It builds, like you said, it builds the tension. Like, it keeps yeah. people wanting to... To read more. I wanted you know, to keep reading after that. You think about, like, Karate Kid mm-hmm. and, like, Daniel. Looks yeah, like his leg's broken. Yeah, looks like he's gone down you know, good, yeah. And he mm-hmm. comes back out. And, you know, and, you know, Mr. Miyagi has to do his little mir- miracle stuff mm-hmm. there. I mean, mm-hmm. there you go. Right there. Yeah. Mr. Miyagi's kind of like Gandalf. Yeah. Yeah. He is. I mean, the Death Star in Star Wars is in firing range of the planet of the Rebel base, mm-hmm. right as Luke bullseye bullseye the target bullseyes the targets. Yeah, bullseyes the target. Bullseye. Keep bullseye trying, is the target. You'll get it. That's You'll it. get it. It's bullseye. The, bullseye is the target. Yeah. Good stuff. Very very good stuff. Thank you, Greg. Thank you, Greg. Yeah. I think that's a new record. I don't think anybody's ever written. That's what I said. I said I think Greg set a new record. Well, then you said it first. I did, and you were clearly not listening. Well, I I was just trying to process all the amazing haiku. Yeah. Okay. You are a thinking type, whereas I'm more observant type. So that's probably where that comes Mm -hmm. from. Um, You're also a better person than I am. I am just in general. Yeah, that's true. Um. So we also have a note from Matt. Matt Scarrant, he says, Dear Lady and Lord of Hykudrum, it was great to hear last episode about the different mysteries of Middle-earth. It seems that Tolkien has left us the answer to one of them, namely the Pukelmen in a section of Unfinished Tales, entitled The Faithful Stone, part of the larger chapter, the, the Druidine. There you go. However, I think this is best read after The Return of the King, Chapter 5, where we learn more about the mysterious men who built them. Nice. So there's another cliffhanger for you. Yeah. Yeah. We will learn more about them next week. That's true. At last, the great battle of Minas Tirith, which so darkly loomed over us the past few chapters. This is one of the chapters that shows how much the whole work was interconnected in Tolkien's mind. Sauron begins to assault the nearly invisible... Invincible. Sorry. Not invisible. Sauron begins to assault the nearly invincible city as as a result of Argorn's contest with him through the Palantir. Mm-hmm. Why would such a cunning military strategist such as Sauron, who tears all of Denethor's plans to shreds, attack Minas Tirith prematurely? He fears Aragorn. A doubt gnaws his heart that, Ar- that Argorn has the ring, a doubt that forces of the, a doubt that forces of West exploit later. It's brilliantly woven together. Anyway, enough of military analysis. The last paragraph of the chapter is one of the greatest poetic passages in the book. It just naturally lends itself to reading aloud. And you did read it aloud for us. Mm -hmm. So, good job. So, 
He said this is turning into a longish email, so without further ado, my haiku. Right on. All right. And um, Matt sent us three. Awesome. So this was a, a, a popular chapter. All right, so here's Matt's first haiku. The valiant half... Nope, you have to read this one. Sorry. The valiant halfling, now Ernil Iferiana, goes to earn his sword. Yep. Nice. Prince of the halflings. Mm -hmm. Second haiku from Matt. Hammer of Morgoth, ancient evil unleashed, grand, raving, ravening wolf, ravening. Ravening wolf. Yeah. Ravening wolf. Grand. That's what it reminded me of. Gronk. 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 Oh, gr that Gronk sounds smash. like. Yeah, Gronk smash. Ron Gronkowski. Yes. I like Grand much better, though. Grand. I'm going to try that again because I messed it up. Hammer of Morgoth, ancient evil unleashed. Grand, ravening wolf. Good stuff. Yeah. Captures the whole essence very well. The essence of Grand. Horns of the north, wildly on the wind they blow. Dawn has come at past. At <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> Matt. Yesterday. Try again, It was Johnny. so good until I did that. Uh-huh. Horns of the north, wildly on the wind they blow. Dawn has come at last. Mm, I love the alliteration. Yeah, wildly on the wind. Stanza, yeah. yeah. That second line. Awesome. That's really good, Matt. Really, really well good. Well done. Um, Matt says, keep making great episodes and a shout out to all the great listeners. Haiku. Nice. So air five to everybody. And then he says, your friend on the walls of the Tower of the Guard. How nice. Yes. I like that. <laughs> How nice. How nice. All right. Um, good stuff, Matt, always. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Matt. We have two haiku from Josh. Super fan Josh. Here's his first one. Light and shadow clash. The Witch King charges and the wizard stands. To war! Good stuff. Mm -hmm. Witch Kings versus wizards. Despair has taken thee, and to thine rest in flames goes thee, Denethor. Mm. Mm. Thy rest in flames. Doesn't seem very restful. No. Sounds painful. Yeah. That's about, a th that's about the worst way of dying I could possibly yeah. think of. Yeah, no, I totally agree. You know, I actually just, um, another book that I read recently, Suicide's kind of one of the themes of the book, and it actually discusses different means of suicide. Oh, goodness gracious. And people are just like, why not just take pills? Like, that's just, yeah. you know? But I mean, they might not have had pills. Denethor might not have had access yeah, let's, to pills. Uh, yeah, let's, let's change the subject. It's a little... Sorry, I was just talking. <laughs> I wasn't trying to be morbid. Well, I know, I know. It's just like, you know, then it's, we don't want to turn this into a discussion of like, what's the best way to commit? Like, that's, you know, it's just not. No, I agree. Yeah. I was just making a comment. I know, I know. I agree. I'm, I'm not trying Burning to make you feel bad. Burning would not be my first choice. It's just not a pleasant topic. No, it's not. I realize that, like, the longer we drag it out, yeah, that's uh, probably the worse true. it'll go. So. so let's lighten the mood a little yes, bit indeed. here. Uh, Mary Grace, super fan Mary Grace. She, um,. Has two haiku. Here is her first one. Utter dark despair. My life is broken. Death is all that's left for me. I guess that didn't really lighten the mood, but it's still a really good haiku. It's a good haiku. Yeah. yeah. Lighten my mood because it's just a good haiku. And good haiku lightens my mood. Yeah. Right on. 
Right. Absolutely. To the valley of the shadow of death, Rohan rides to Gondor's aid. Mmm. Nice. Very nice. Oh, and she has a little P.S. here. I did the math and realized I've been listening to this podcast for two years. Normally, I'm not a podcast person, but you all have kept my attention and fierce admiration. Woo! I'm excited to keep following the Tolkien Road podcast down the road. Right on. Awesome. Well, we're excited to have you keep listening. Awesome. And send an awesome haiku and correspondence. Thanks, yes. Mary Grace. Thank you, Mary Grace. And thank you to all of our listeners. Yeah. They really and, do. And Mary Grace and her brothers did a little something that I haven't had a chance oh. to throw together yet, but I've got a. So, Mary Grace, we got the note, and I need to figure out how to open that file that she sent us. So, hopefully, for next episode, we'll have it all together. We'll have it all together. Yeah. Do we want to tell people what it is or keep it a surprise? We'll keep it a surprise. Okay. I, you know, I'm hoping I'll be able to get to it by next episode. So. Okay. Okay. I gotta, you know, I gotta work some of my, my computer skills though. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a, it's a surprise worth working and waiting for. That's right. So. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, stay tuned, and I think that's a wrap. That's on a wrap. This episode. We wrapping? Yeah, we're wrapping. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. That'll lighten the mood. <laughs> Nicely done, John. All right. Nice. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So next time, mm-hmm. book five, chapter five, which is the Ride of the Rohirrim. The Ride of the Rohirrim. So it's a short chapter, but send us haiku. It's a uh, it's an inspiring chapter. I like inspiring. Yeah. Yeah. And. Yeah, things are getting interesting. So, let's hear what you got, people's yeah. listeners. Yeah. Uh, so, Send thanks for listening. Way. And let's see. Well, we want to give a special shout out to our patrons mm-hmm. executive producers, William Hutton and Justine Lloyd. Woo. And our other amazing patrons, Shannon Stockbridge, Josh Sosa, Brian Orr, Margaret Lyon, Emilio Perea, Zeke Farmer, Caleb Santana, James Applegate, Caitlin Fascista. Matt Scarrance, Al Taylor, Per Brenner, James Lindbergh, Chris Loftus, and Lawrence McGowan. You guys are the best. You guys are the best, and we are extremely grateful for you and your support. Mm-hmm. And, of course, once again, if you'd like to know more about becoming a patron of the Tolkien Road, head on over to TolkienRoad.com, or I'm sorry. Yeah, you can go to TolkienRoad.com, or you can go to Patreon.com slash Tolkien Road. That's how Both you do it. Both roads lead to the same place. Go, go follow... Tolkien Road on Twitter and uh, go like us on Facebook and follow us and stuff like that. So. Yep. Yeah. Do it all right now. Mm-hmm. Just get her done. And post funny Tolkien memes and stuff like that. So. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Do it. Right now. Right now. Without delay. Be hasty. Why aren't you doing it yet? Right. Exactly. Stop listening yeah. to us and go do what we told you to do. That's right. Yeah. All right. All right, guys. Well, thanks for listening. Yep. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk at you next time. Indeed we will. Bye-bye. Bye, y'all. Please remember to check out truemyths.org and tolkienroad.com for show notes and plenty of other Tolkien goodness. Also, if you're enjoying the podcast, please leave the Tolkien Road a rating and feedback on iTunes. And consider supporting us financially via patreon.com slash tolkienroad. On our next episode, we'll continue our journey through The Lord of the Rings with Book 5, Chapter 5, The Ride of the Rohirrim. Please send haiku or other correspondence to TolkienRoadPodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and until next time, the road goes ever on.